Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, good morning and welcome back to Tech Talk right here on High FM, where we always bring you the latest, greatest, the fanciest gizmos and gadgets, and of course, all the background to what's happening in the tech world. And boy, oh boy, was this an exciting week. Well, certainly for me. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in mobile tech. I'm really interested in telecommunications and how the whole world is hanging together. And more and more, it is becoming more and more apparent that the world of tech is no longer a standalone environment. You can no longer simply have one gadget that you plug in, switch on, and it does something. Everything connects to everything. Everything is part of something else. You hear all about the cloud and the IoT and the this and the that. There's always a million different acronyms. And, I mean, it was quite interesting. At a keynote at AfricaCom this week, and that's where I'm heading on this whole story, AfricaCom is Africa's and one of the largest tech conferences on the continent. In fact, I think it is the largest tech conference on the continent. It happens annually in November in Cape Town, and it is focused very, very strongly on the com- on the telecommunication, mobile infrastructure environment. But it brings a ton of different elements, different bits and pieces. There's Wi-Fi forums and fiber forums and IoT conferences and connecting Africa conferences. But essentially, the whole core message about AfricaCom is communications in Africa and how it's evolving, how it's growing. And what was really apparent, despite the harsh environment we have in South Africa at current, you know, currently, with all the political uncertainty, with the RAND misbehaving, with uh, politicians uh, resigning left, right. Well, I wish they were resigning left, right and center, but this is not the politics show. This is definitely the tech show. But effectively, we have a really unstable environment. And for many people, this has created a, a pall over everything. And yet, in that bad news sort of environment, there's a real highlight in the communication, telecommunication, and technology sphere. The conference was bigger than ever, spread over two massive halls at the CTICC, and exhibitors from across the continent and across the world, people like Amazon Web Services, you name it, they were there, all talking, all exhibiting, all partying. Cape Town was quite the town over the last few days. But the core message of this whole thing is that communication is here, it's happening, it's growing exponentially, and it's going really, really, really quickly. And here's a perfect example of that. A couple of months ago, I was at World Mobile Conference, and we were talking to Nokia and Ericsson and these guys about 5G and what's happening in Africa. And it's aggressively rolling out. In America, there are many cities that have 5G networks. Across the world, it's being rolled out exponentially. UK reckon that they will have most of their major cities covered in the first part of 2019. Europe's a little bit slow. Things are taking a little bit of time. And the the East is definitely going, and definitely for the Olympics in Japan in 2020, they're going to be fully 5G'd. And of late, the news has been breaking that come February, again, World Mobile Congress, the first 5G handsets, notably from people like Samsung, but I'm sure there'll be others, are going to be available. In other words, you'll be able to buy the next generation of handset in the store probably come April, May of 2019. And it's actually 
quite a big deal. But what was interesting uh, was a, a local company called Rain. Now, Rain was the old iBurst WBS crowd. And this company was bought out by a bunch of really senior tech, not so much tech, but financial entrepreneurs based in Stellenbosch. And they launched a data-only network about six months ago. And they were an absolute victim of the, their success. You could buy a little modem. You could connect to their network. My son did it. He got amazing amazing throughput. It was stable. It was really as good in many respects as a fiber connection, except for one minor detail. They got too busy. The network got more and more contended. And the one drawback about wireless as opposed to fiber, fiber essentially has unlimited capacity. So you can increase the number of users on a fiber connection pretty much exponentially. There's no real limit on that section of the connection. So if you have a fiber cable from your house to a particular ISP, you can put tons and tons of connections on it. Mobile, on the other hand, does not work that way. It depends on how much spectrum you've got and the capability of the tower that you're connecting to. So with LTE or even LTE Advanced, which Rain runs currently, there's a certain limit, call it 100 users per tower or per sector or however they work it on, on the actual radio mast. And once you start reaching those limits, you start sharing the bandwidth. So if you've got 300 megabits per second to a tower and you've got 300 users, each one gets one meg. It's very, very democratic. You all share in the data that's available. Well, this is where 5G becomes a big, big, big deal. On the same equipment, using the same spectrum, you can get, instead of 100 users, you can get 1,000 or more users on exactly the same network. So suddenly, all of a sudden, you're talking about an exponential increase in the capability of the network. And as long as you can supply the data in the back end, which is not a problem because most towers are connected via fiber, you then land up with people, 100 people connecting to a tower capable of 1,000. Each one's getting in excess of 100 megabits per second, which changes the whole landscape. And what Rain have done, and they launched this. This was actually a, a, a real live active launch of 5G in Cape Town. They wired up a building, and they were showing actual devices connecting some of them through Wi-Fi via a, 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 dong, a, a sort of little dongle-type setup, but they were actually showing proper 5G. And the word on the street is that starting 2019 with Nokia, because their equipment is all ready for this new technology and they're a brand-new network and everything um, sort of plays out in that space, they will be rolling out 5G to consumers in South Africa from pretty much early 2019. So I said 5G is not coming to Africa. Guess what? 5G is not coming. It has come to Africa. And expect very low latency. In other words, the time it takes to get from, the, from, the, from your device to the server will drop down to almost fiber-type operations. So Skype, voice, video will all work extremely well, especially gaming. And we're going to see massive increases in speeds and stability of speed. So it won't drop off as you move towards the edge of the network. And that's all a huge big deal. Now I can see our time is flying. Um, so we'll have a quick break for an advert and then we'll be back with some more news. And then we've got a really in interesting conversation. And it's all about mobile money, which was another topic which came up uh, at uh, AfricaCom. So we'll be back right after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. 
Well, welcome back. And some more exciting news of the week, and it's been quite a week. There's been a lot of rumors about something called Discovery Bank. Well, they launched it yesterday, and quite an interesting um, launch it was indeed. I was in Cape Town, so I wasn't at the launch. I've got all the information. But Discovery are trying to disrupt banking the same way as they've disrupted insurance and they've disrupted uh, medical insurance. I mean, they certainly are getting pretty comprehensive in in their offerings. But Adrian Gore, who launched the bank yesterday, described it as a behavioral bank, which is built on, this is his words, a shared value model. I'm not quite sure what that means, but he did go into a lot of detail around how it's going to work and why they're doing what they're doing. And essentially, what are they, the, the, the key underpinnings of the new bank is making you bank better trying to look after your financial health in the same way as they look after your physical health. And they actually mentioned that there's a massive correlation between healthy people and people in good health and default on um, loans and financial side. So they are using their massive vitality data platform, the information that they've gathered over the years, because right now they have been in financial services in conjunction with FNB, with the Discovery Card. So they've got a massive sort of understanding of what's going on. And and at at the end of the day, Discovery Health is a financial service provider. So they've got everything that they need in order to look at how people behave, what they're going to do. And the, the gamified rewards have worked so well I mean, people kill for their smoothie. They go walking upstairs, tie their Fitbit to their dog, do the weirdest things simply to hit those steps every week. So there's absolutely a psychological benefit in gamifying everything. Well, he's now applying that to a banking product, and the re- re- and, and he's linking the reward points to your bank. So you can fully monetize your reward points, and you can dis- deposit them in, in, in the Discovery Bank. The good thing is the Discovery Bank itself is only going to go live from about March next year, but they'll soft launch it. You probably, if you're a Discovery member and a, and a, a member with of of their Vitality program. You might have received an email already announcing the bank, but it is a significant step into a new direction for banking. They're going to offer two basic accounts, the basic Discovery One account, which has no um, no real cost, and the comprehensive Discovery One Plus product, which has a monthly fee, but then no cost to transact, where the Discovery One account will charge you per transaction. But all of them will be linked and tied to exactly the same sort of vitality reward structures, though it appears that the rewards that they're going to be offering are significantly higher than on Discovery Health. So, for example, the airfares, if you behave correctly and somehow, I haven't seen exactly how they're going to do it, but you'll get up to 75% off or back in, in, in vitality rewards. Again, now, remember, you can monetize those rewards for flights. Also with Woolworths and Pick and Pay and your shopping. And on your fuel, you could get up to 70% back. And on various other partners like Clicks, Total Sports, um, and, and those guys, and Discam, you can get up to 50%. They're also trying to keep you healthy because, as I said, if you're healthy, you tend to pay your loans back in a better manner. So they'll give you 100% back on your um, your Virgin Active 
or your Planet Fitness membership. So very, very much taking the exact same model they've used in the health business, using vitality as a driver for good behavior or behavior change. I think that's the best way um, to put it. Is they're trying to apply the same thing to your financial world and your financial life. Uh, It's going to be a branchless system. So in other words, everything will be done through the app. I didn't see the app, but apparently it's super slick. Uh, will be only rolled out sometime next year. So stay tuned. Let's uh, see wh- as the details emerge and how more and more information around the whole banking environment explodes because there are a lot of new banks coming. There's a new bank from the ex-FNB CEO coming in the next few months. There are a couple of really interesting initiatives around using technology to make banking easier, simpler, and much more appropriate for you and I. So the the competition in the banking, and do not expect FNB and the big banks and the other big five to sit back and watch this thing happen. They are going to be hopefully uh, upping their game to match and to equal some of these benefits, though quite hard to beat the sheer reach and massive, massive scale of the discovery entire ecosystem between health, wealth, and now um, banking. So quite an interesting way to go. So we'll be back with Andre Hugo. We're talking financial services again, and we're talking peer-to-peer money transfers and virgin money. So it's all about banking today. Quite interesting. Communications and banking. What else could you talk about? We'll be back straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. And on the line with us is Andre Hugo, who is the CEO of Virgin Money South Africa. And we're going to be talking about a little bit about financial services, but mostly about the Virgin Money Spot app. And it's an interesting app which allows P2P, love acronyms in tech, uh, but peer-to-peer payments. Good morning, Andre. Are you on the line with us? Yes, I am. Um, Brilliant. We've had some technical issues with the quality of our connection here. So I'm glad to have you with us. So give us a little bit of insight into what Virgin Money are are up to with the Spot app and and how it all fits into the sort of Virgin Money profile and what you guys do. Okay. Well, so what what we did is we started off. Sorry, there's a terrible echo on this line. I know. Can you ignore it or should I try and call you back from another line? Is it possible to call me back from yeah, another line? Absolutely. I will do that oh. right away. So, listeners, sorry, we, as usual, just wonderful thing called technology. We're trying to get it to work. But I'm going to call Andre back on another line and we're going to see if we can get him on properly. Give us a little bit of insight into what the Spot app does and how it, it fits into what Virgin Money are on about these days. So, so what we, we launched the app in uh, February this year. And really what we saw in the market um, was there was a gap in the market around peer-to-peer payments. And the, the use cases that we saw was you go out for a dinner and you're going to split a bill. Um, somebody puts credit cards down or somebody doesn't have their credit card with them or doesn't have enough money. And eventually, inevitably, you land up owing somebody money. Um, the easiest way well, in that stage, what people were doing is you were going to an ATM the next day or getting your bank details and then doing an EFT. So what we looked at it and said, well, A, it's quite a hassle to do it that way, and it's quite costly. You lose 950 on an average ATM with your... So we created uh, Virgin Money Spot, and it allows you to basically either send money by just having a person's contact detail. They will get a, a notification if they don't have the app. Um, 
download the app, um, load your um, credit card or uh, your bank details, and that money would then automatically settle into your your bank account. Um, we've also added other features where you can actually request a payment because there's inevitably a family member, a friend, that always says they're going to pay you back, but they don't. So you can actually <laughs> gently nudge them. Yeah, they'll get 1,500 SMSs a day or messages a day saying, please send me money to my spot because I'm uh, I'm in need. Correct. But it's working very well in the, um, the, the big market for students where there's shared communes or, or the people that are now just entering the workforce. And typically with split a household bill. So there's somebody paying for electricity or airtime or DSTV or rent. And you basically don't have to carry the cash, and it's a simple way to keep tabs of actually collecting that money. That, I, was going to, I was going to get to that. So, so who are you aiming this at? I mean, obviously, if you've got a bank account, you can do a lot of these sort of things in any event. Maybe not as slick, but certainly you can do it. Who is the, the app aimed at, and, and how will it add value to their lives? So the typical market that we, we're aiming at is anybody from um, 18 up. Um, and we're getting quite a large uh, adoption from 18 to 40 year olds. Um, and typically, the, what we're seeing there is, whilst your normal bank app can do this, there are restrictions around certain banks having to send money to other banks. The time it takes to clear the cost involved. We're bank agnostic, so you can have an FNB account. You can load your 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 card and your details, and you can send it to somebody else who has a Capitec account. Um, without actually having the hassle of actually finding out the bank details from each so all you, which is obviously a security risk. All you need is their cell phone number. All you need is their cell phone number. And that's that simplicity of that. It really takes three clicks and the money has been sent to the, to the recipient and, and it clears, um, in our new model, it actually clears instantly into their Virgin Money uh, wallet. And then what happens? What do people do once it's in their Virgin Money wallet? Well, at the moment, the, the only real feature that they've got is to cash out. Um, but what we're also seeing is some people are actually storing the money in there and using it as kind of like a rainy day savings account or emergency money wallet. Um, but in the next two weeks, we'll be launching a uh, merchant strategy. So we'll be able to actually use the money that's sitting in that wallet to pay us um, a large number of merchants in South Africa. Um, we, we plan to be in 51 retail uh, lane by the end of the year. Um, we're also going to be launching a cashback model similar to a loyalty structure where each time you actually pay using Spot, you get cash back into that wallet. Um, and then there's obviously other plans that we do have around cross-border remittances because it works in the same model that you're really <coughs> paying a friend, whether they live internet- locally or internationally. And you'll take care of all the admin of the financial cross-border transactions, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And, and the, the, the benefit of, well, the, the way we built the system, we're actually on a uh, currently token system. So what a person's actually doing is buying a, a not a cryptocurrency, but a, a, a crypto token. A virtual sort of secure token. Correct. Um, which is, is quite unique because if you think of it from a banking perspective, we're actually saying that that token is linked to, each virgin token is linked to one rand. Okay. Um, we actually hold we actually hold that one rand in a in a as a liability um, on a one to one basis. So we are one hundred percent liquid. Versus, if you think of a bank, they must probably only have thirty percent of the cash that they claim to have in the system um, for you. 
Well, I think there is a high sensitivity to bank failure currently in the market, especially in in certain areas. So that makes a lot of sense. So you actually tokenizing the money, you creating it virtually, keeping it safe, and sending it from one person to another person instantly, which is quite a quite an interesting concept. Yeah, totally new. We we haven't we we believe we're the first micro token um, solution in South Africa. Um, we, we modelled it on Project Kokorka, uh, which was the Reserve Bank's um, wholesale model of actually doing tokenization and, and clearing uh, retail payments at a mass level. Um, so we looked at it from a retail perspective and said, why wouldn't, why couldn't it apply in that model and improve a consumer's life by actually allowing it to be instantly settled? So this is a true mobile money in many respects. Obviously, people need to somehow get the money into the system. But once it's there, it can be kept on your mobile, stored on your mobile. What happens if someone loses their phone and they need to you know, get a new phone and a new SIM? So the money, money isn't actually physically stored, stored against the, um, on the actual physical device. It's stored in, um, on an ERC-20 Ethereum um, wallet. So the person would then have to go in, re, re-download the app, log in, register using their, their um, PIN, that they, their one-time PIN, as well as their secret password PIN that they've entered, and their wallet would then be back again with the full value. So it actually is irrelevant what you do as long as you don't forget your password to log back in. Correct. And that's, um, so you've got to, obviously we, we do authentication on a, a one-time PIN level, but then your key is on each transaction that you use, you've got to have that secret PIN. And that's obviously similar to any banking app where you shouldn't ever share that PIN with anyone. That makes a lot of sense. So do you see that scaling considerably in the next couple of years? Because there's a lot of competition in the mobile money space and sending money via mobile platforms. I mean, uh, Vodacom, MTN, a lot of guys are playing in the space. In fact, MTN announced this week that they're getting back into mobile money. So how do you, how do you keep yourself sort of standing out in, in, in a fairly competitive environment? I mean, I'll address it in two ways. Certainly, in terms of how we, we can scale, we, we actually had to turn off our marketing uh, campaign recently. So we launched, we launched the app on the new rails on the 18th of October. Um, we had a refer and earn type model, so you refer a friend, if your friend signs up, we'll pay you 30 rand and we would pay your friend 30 rand. And not dissimilar to how Uber launched in South Africa. Um, within six days, we, we onboarded over 370,000 people. Wow. Well, there's nothing like giving something away for free to get people interested. Correct. And we, the biggest worry that we then were, were concerned about is obviously then that people would just take that money and cash out and wouldn't really use the app for the features in terms of paying a friend, splitting bills, request pay, etc. Um, we actually saw our, our those transactions increase by 900% wow. since the launch of the app. So there's definitely a market for it and a use case for it. How we play ahead of our competitors, um, I think obviously maintaining that it's a free solution on peer-to-peer send, um, adding new features so it can be a ubiquitous payment app in the market. So my vision for the app is that if you see a QR code um, in any store, uh, whether it be a ZapScan, Zappa, SnapScan, or a Y code, you can actually scan it through our app. Um, so you don't have to carry those other apps. You'll be able to transact in the retail environment. We're already on um, a number of e-commerce sites. So on Quicket, for example, if you want to 
buy a festival ticket or a movie ticket, or sorry, a movie ticket, a theatre ticket, or a sporting event ticket, you can pay via spot. And I really, to, to stay relevant, it really means that we have to be at the moment of purchase or the moment that a person decides that you don't want to pay a friend or transact on a mobile. That makes a lot of sense because it's useless to have an app that doesn't doesn't you know, work when you need it to when you're standing in front of a retailer. No one wants to fiddle around. They just want to pay and move on or wherever they are. Yeah, I, I, I get actually quite annoyed nowadays where, where there is no way of paying mobile, with a mobile device. Um, I think taking your credit card out, even tapping it on a, on a pod machine or inserting it is quite risky nowadays. I prefer to rather pay just by tapping my mobile or scanning something and move on. Allows you to carry less clutter, um, be less exposed from your credit card perspective, and definitely not have cash on. Well, there's no question about that. Having travelled recently and had my card hacked uh, in in some strange country, and all the nonsense that ensued from that is crazy. And yet, when you use a virtual tokenized type setup similar to yours, you never expose the 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 information transmitted is not your credit card information. It's not yours. It's it's safe and secure. And there's other, other big advantages that I see. I mean, I'm, I'm the worst. I'll withdraw, let's say, 500 rand um, as an emergency fund because there's parking tickets that we can't pay on, on mobile devices, as an example, on the, on the app at the moment. But by the end of the week, that 500 rand's gone, and you can't actually trace it. Whereas if you actually can set limits on an app like ours that you can only spend 100 rand a week on, on coffee, at least then you can start managing your budget and your finances instead of having cash leakage and the cost of carrying that cash is just also your target and you've lost nine rand on each withdrawal. And I mean for 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 casual labor there's so many different use cases if someone comes to work and does and you in, used to give that person cash to do something it's just so much more secure and and easy to pay them through a system like that they have access to the money is there a way that they can cash out should they want to? But typically, the way that you cash out is you'd link your, your bank account. Um, so we, we do focus on um, KYC, knowing our customers, as well as the fact that they have been secret um, on our app, but also have been secret at a banking level. So they would typically say, look, I've got 100 rand in my wallet. I want to actually use that 100 rand. They can cash it out by just transferring it straight into their, their bank account and then using their normal ATM uh, withdrawal processes. There are other options that we're looking at, whether it be ATM cash out or retail toll point cash out. And the, the, the preference that we've got would most probably be to be a retail toll point cash out because it costs far less for the end consumer than any of the other channels out there at the moment. So once the money's in the spot system, there is no cost to transact. So how do you guys... Uh, make something out of that? Just asking difficult questions. No, no. Um, peer-to-peer level, um, we, we see it as a, a basic need that everybody should be able to do the same money without having a cost associated. Um, we make our money on merchant transactions, so we're typical, we'll get an acquiring fee from that merchant. So like a credit um, card fee when people yeah, transact like a to the merchants. Swipe. Yeah, and then our model for international remittances is to make a, a fee on that on that international remittance. But because we're using the rails that we are, we we believe that we can do it at a significantly reduced rate. 
because the average South African is that if they're remitting money into um, the main static countries, are losing anywhere between 11 to 16% of that transaction. And based on the rails that we've got, we believe can do it substantially less. So I guess watch that space in, the, in Q1 of next year when we actually launch it. Because international or cross-border remittances globally are a huge huge market i mean in the east it's it's absolutely massive and in africa certainly from europe to africa is a is a massive cash flow so there's probably huge potential on that side but on the other side getting a, a network of merchants must be quite a costly difficult exercise getting out there trying to get the merchants to sign up are you finding any resistance are there too many options out there for merchants that they'd rather not get involved what is the sense you're getting from the various merchants we've been very fortunate in that our um, development partner is my group and they've done the hard jobs over, over the last 15 years on bringing on 31 large national retailers onto their solution and as a result of that we are extending our relationship into those retailers almost seamlessly yeah giving us a national footprint from day one um, and then as a result of the, the PR and the substantial growth that we were um, have achieved in in the last month. A number of retail retailers being large, all the way down to small owner independent um, stores, have actually started approaching us to say, "How can we enable your solution in our store?" Because if you suddenly think of it, we've now got just short of um, the four hundred and fifty thousand users on the app, and they're um, all wandering into a store with their phone saying, "Can I pay you like this?" Yes, which so, is the best advertising. Correct. So. You know, it's a, a, a lot better than when we went to when we initially thought, went through the strategy and went to some merchants and said, "Look, we, we've got a base of ten thousand people. Can can we enable the solution in your store?" And they looked at us and started laughing. They said, "No." <laughs> um, versus now, you go there with four hundred and fifty thousand, and they say, "Yes, please. How can we do?" So now, okay, we're unfortunately running out of time as it as it happens quite quickly. But how do people get involved? What do they need to do to start using Spot? So simply go to the, the, the Apple Store or, your, or the uh, Google Play Store, download, search for Virgin Money Spot. Um, it'll pop up as a, in, in the finance category. Download the app, go through the registration where we require your uh, full name, your ID number or your passport number, an email address and obviously your cell phone number. And you'll get a one-time PIN. Based on that, you then are, are registered and you can then start looking at the features in the app. If you want to start transacting, either transfer money in by your bank account on EFT into your wallet or load your credit card as you would in, a, in any of the normal apps out there um, and then you're ready to go. And it's that simple. I must say I tried it, uh, I think yesterday I set myself up and got it all rolling and now I've just got to find a way to use it. So it seems really simple. It seems really easy and um, it's, it's just an interesting use of so-called, you know, you hear about cryptocurrency and all this stuff, but here's a real practical, real-world solution that costs me nothing once I'm in the system. Well, I'm sure there's going to be somebody that will, you'll find that uh, either owes you money or you need to pay. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you've got kids, but I mean, my one's too many kids. And the, <laughs> and, and the first thing that he does is he keeps asking me for, for money at varsity, never ending. 
Well, that's uh, that's exactly the type of thing that I was thinking of. There's often situations where you need to trans money quick, transmit money quickly, seamlessly, without any hassle. And this might just do the trick, and it's a lot safer than running around with a credit card, which makes a lot of sense. But thanks so much for joining us, and we'll stay tuned and watch what happens over the next little while. Um, and that was Andre Hugo, who I said was the CEO of Virgin Money South Africa, and their cool new Virgin Money Spot app, which you can get on the various app stores. So thanks so much, Andre. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Great stuff. Chat soon. Bye. Chat soon. Bye. Hi, Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back, and I'm sorry about these technical challenges. I'm going to have to get the technical guys here to get their wiring sorted so that we can put people through on the cell phone and not come up with other other solutions, as they put it. But anyway, that was really interesting, the whole concept of mobile money, the whole way that we pay. I mean, the last couple of months I've been using Samsung Pay, which I just showed off in the studio right now on my Samsung phone, which puts your credit card on your cell phone. You don't need to worry about carrying your card with you. Um, And it has the whole tokenization issue, which is quite interesting. In other words, when you use your your credit card on your cell phone, it doesn't transmit your credit card number. It transmits a virtual credit card number, which is created and cannot be hacked. So there's a lot of ease of use, speed of use of using these various apps. And the Spot app sounds like a good deal because when you've got money in there and you want to pay small amounts of money, you don't want to waste time, you don't want delays, you want instant transfer, and you also don't want massive cost. Why pay five rand for every hundred rand or ten rand for every hundred rand that you transfer to people? These are small amounts of money, and the people receiving them are really not keen to have to pay big costs or wait for a while. So, I'm going to watch the space. I think it's getting really exciting. I think there's a lot of benefit in virtual money, safety. I mean, certainly crime on the streets these these days is not great. And having money in your pocket can be a serious liability. Now, moving on to the next portion of my show, which I really do enjoy, and that's gadgets and gizmos. Now, I've been playing with a lot of cell phones lately. Um, It's been a lot of fun. I've just done a you know, we spoke last week about the Huawei Mate 20 Pro, which is quite the beast when it comes to technology and, and cameras and you name it. It's really cutting edge. And the last week, I've actually also been playing with something that's a lot more retro. Now, for all of you out there who, in fact, pretty much everybody had a BlackBerry for years and years and years and years. And we got used to the keyboard. We got used to the way Blackberries worked. And unfortunately, as technology does, well, they missed the touchscreen revolution. Somehow the Apples and the Samsungs and the Huaweis grew and grew and grew. And Blackberry, like Nokia, unfortunately, faded into the background. Nokia making a comeback and BlackBerry refused to go away. They've just launched a brand new phone called the Key 2. Now the Key 1 came out last year and I quite liked it. It was a mid-range level phone. So in other words, it's somewhere between 9 and 13,000 Rand in the current Rand environment. But it has two features that make it purely BlackBerry. One, it does run Android. Two, it has a BlackBerry overlay. So the hub, the absolute productivity hub that everybody loves on the BlackBerry. I still think it is the most efficient way to get your emails, your WhatsApps, your Facebook messages, your Instagrams. It doesn't matter what 
information is coming in. It's all in one app, one space. You don't have to switch between app to app to app to app. You can respond to a WhatsApp directly, an email, an SMS, all within the hub. It's brilliant, and it's definitely one of the finest features of the BlackBerry ecosystem. It is an app you can actually download on other Android phones, but it's always clunky on other Android phones. But on a BlackBerry phone running Android, it is so seamless, it is so built into the operating system that it works like an absolute wonder. So that, for me, is a, is a productivity winner. It's a standout feature, and it's absolutely amazing. The rest of the key to implementation of Android is very, very vanilla. It looks and feels exactly like normal Android, but it has one feature that has no competition in the market anymore. The key to still has a keyboard. And what BlackBerry have done, they've improved the keyboard considerably. They, it's, it's a lot like the old bold keyboard of the past. The fingerprint reader is integrated in the space bar. So all you do is you touch the space bar and it opens the phone. Very natural, very easy. And what's even better is the keyboard acts like a mouse pad. So I'm just showing the guys in the studio, Tabo in the studio. If you scroll along the keyboard, it moves everything on the screen. So the screen is smaller than an average full touchscreen phone. But because you never get a keyboard popping up, you've actually got almost the same amount of space on the screen. You can have a virtual touchscreen keyboard which can pop up. That's up to you. You can you can use it if you need to, but it's really not necessary. The keyboard is actually amazing and it's incredible how your muscle memory remembers how it works. You've got to to get to numbers you've got to push alt and the number. And very quickly over the last week suddenly I've slipped back into my Blackberry habit of using the keyboard. And when you use two fingers to type, it is definitely more accurate and with a predictive text that BlackBerry have uh, perfected, and that's the other standout feature. Without question, the BlackBerry keyboard is the best. Whether it's virtual or physical, it's one of the best keyboards on the market. It predicts texts amazingly. It's super fast. It's super accurate. And you really, if you're a email uh, junkie and you need to do tons of communication, there is no cleaner, easier way to do it. It has a, a dual camera, like all modern, all the modern flagship phones. It's not quite in the league of the Galaxy S9, even the S8 and some of the other high-end flagships. But as I said, this is a mid-range type phone. In low-light conditions, the camera's not great. Uh, it's not bad. It's, the flash works well. But for normal low-light sort of photography that the, the Huawei's and the Apple's and the Samsung's just take in their stride, this phone doesn't quite get there. It does come with a mid-range Qualcomm processor, the 630, and it also has 6 gig of RAM, which is quite important. So it's super smooth. It plays games surprisingly well. The screen is excellent quality, and the build quality, although very standard, none of these sort of rimless, seamless type front screens, is, is really good. It's solid. It's got a nice rubbery back, which makes it easy to hold it doesn't slip so if you're a blackberry fan and some someone who's you know spent a lot of time <clears throat> in the blackberry ecosystem or if you're a businessman that absolutely needs to have the best productivity tool on the market the key to is a really interesting and useful device i must admit again there's a lot of security a lot of businesses are issuing 
Blackberries to their staff because of their incredible handle on on cell phone security. It's it's probably the most comprehensive and secure platform on the market. So expect to see more and more BlackBerry floating around for specific uses. It definitely can be your main phone as long as you accept that this is a mid-range device and not a top-end, high-end bells and whistles with all the best. It, it All apps run Full Play Store, navigation works seamlessly. The hub, as I said, is absolutely brilliant. I must admit that there are a couple of other useful quick apps. There's on the side, you can slide sideways and get a full sort of productivity of your day, what your next um, meetings are. In one look, you can quickly glance at all your emails and interact with them, which is even smarter directly on the screen and the keyboard's an absolute joy to use it's it's pretty fast i've not had any problems except when you come from a galaxy s9 or a huawei mate 20 pro level speed and accuracy it does seem a little a touch sluggish but overall i must say i am extremely impressed with the the blackberry key 2 they've cleaned it up a lot they've made it a little bit smoother and faster than the previous generation the price is reasonably high but it's in the range of other smartphones but if you're a touchscreen person this may not be for you but if you're a blackberry fan and you have the needs for some of the productivity enhancements that blackberry offer then there's actually no other game in town and if you like a keyboard this is a a modern fresh well presented easy to use great battery life that i must admit i don't know how they do it but i think it's the size of the screen the simple fact is i get two days easy out of this phone i've never got battery anxiety you go to bed at night it's still at 70 percent now maybe that's because i don't use it quite as heavily as some of my other phones but i really did push it i used it for social media i did instagramming i did lots and lots of email whatsapps you name it and it still just lasted as i said the only real drawback is that the camera is not the best and overall the speed and the power of the device is somewhat below the top-end flagships of today. But for most of us, you'll never notice that. The voice reception and the radio reception is excellent. Really good data throughput using mobile and Wi-Fi, simple and slick. And I, I actually really do enjoy the way that BlackBerry implement their various um, apps and the way the interface goes. The other thing that BlackBerry really do offer is that every month you get a security update. So it is definitely one of the most secure and um, safe platforms for mobile use. It's always got the latest patches, which I recommend you download. And inherently, through the hub, you can really control all your, your information in one place. And that's quite uh, a brilliant thing. So the key two is available now from all the operators. It's in the region of twelve to thirteen thousand rand retail. You might be able to get better deals elsewhere, and it certainly is a conversation starter. Put it on the table, and people all say to you, "Is that a BlackBerry?" I thought they were out of business. Well, they're not. They're around. It's still a BlackBerry. It's got a cool keyboard. It's a great talking point, and um, it's really a nice quality, well presented mid-range cell phone and on that note we'll be back straight after this and i've just got a quick wrap up and then we are done for another week with Stephen Ambrose. well welcome back and one of the most interesting things i saw at africacom just to wrap it up and come back to africacom as i said the good news is that we are seeing a dynamic environment for communication 
All the networks are investing massive amounts of money. We are seeing fiber throughout South Africa and Africa growing enormously. There's been massive growth in satellite communication, which a lot of people thought fiber would kill. Yet they've changed their, their models, and we're seeing more and more inexpensive and ubiquitous satellite communication across the, the continent and, and South Africa because there's some places where you just do not get any other form of communication. So the environment is growing. The government has been playing ball. We expect to see new spectrum in South Africa very shortly. And there is still a massive opportunity in Africa to connect people who are not connecting. They're talking about 834 million people in Africa that still do not connect to the Internet. You can imagine how it's changed your life, how it's changed society globally. Imagine connecting 834 good chunk of a billion people to the Internet. Think of the creativity, the stuff that can be unlocked because Africa has more young people than pretty much any other continent. So there was massive energy around it. And as I said, one of the most interesting things I saw, and I'll wrap it up really quickly, was a brand new smartphone from MTN. Now, what they felt is that 3G as a technology is still a big deal. So this is a 3G phone. It is a smartphone built with Kai OS, which is a smart operating system that runs Android apps. And they, through their connections using China Mobile and uh, another company called Unisoc, they announced a partnership to bring a phone to the market. It will be out in the first few weeks of, or months of next, next year. It's going to sell for 300 rand. Here's the rub. $20 US, 300 rand, and it'll give you full access to mobile data, to mobile money, to the internet, and all the benefits that internet brings. It looks a little bit like a, a dumb uh, a feature phone, so it's got a little keyboard, a small screen, but for that money, it will be the first access to the World Wide Web and the internet for hundreds of millions of people. And at that price, around about 300 rand or $20 depending on the market, it is an absolute no-brainer. The current entry-level phone is about between 10 and $15, and smartphones start at $40. So I think it's a great initiative, and it'll just be a, a two-day battery life or two-week battery life, all the things you need in, in places where you, you can do navigation. So I think it was a great initiative and I think it's a brilliant idea from MTN and they're going to be rolling it out across Africa in the next couple of months. And on that note I'm afraid we're going to have to call it a day because I'm getting the look to wrap it up. That was another sort of amazing deep dive into all sorts of technology from Tech Talk right here on Tech on, on High FM. So stay tuned. We'll be back next week with even more tech news Gadgets and Gizmos. This is Stephen Ambrose on High FM.